and welcome to another episode of the Montartica podcast. Uh, today I got a special guest, Lan Tawny. He's the CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, you're based out of Missoula, aren't you, Lan? I am. Beautiful Missoula, Montana. Yeah, cool place over there for sure. Anyway, um, Land is a big advocate for public lands and outdoors uh, hunting and that kind of thing. Um, Land, do you want to kind of tell us what your background is and, and kind of get into what what backcountry hunters and anglers is? Yeah, I'll give you like the short little bio. So fifth generation Montanan, born and raised here, had the great opportunities to grow up hunting and fishing on public lands and public waters here in Montana. We have such a plethora of opportunities. I think I told somebody this weekend, it's like an embarrassment of riches that yeah. you can hard, hardly uh, scratch the surface of. So feel lucky for that. Uh, went to school, got a wildlife biology degree, fresh out of school, started volunteering for the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Worked for them for about three and a half years and went to work for the National Wildlife Federation. Uh, for about eight years and then uh, took over at BHA about seven years ago and you know backcountry hunters and anglers we try to make sure every single day is that you have access to public lands and waters and then the fish and wildlife habitat when you get there yeah and we do that from you know local projects on the ground as far as cleanups to uh, uh, working with state legislatures and fishing game agencies all the way out to Washington DC and really the difference probably between us and all the other organizations is really this advocacy piece. And, you know, when we were first formed around a campfire in 2004, kind of the folks that were around that campfire looked at all the sportsmen's groups like Ducks Unlimited, the Elk Foundation, you know, Pheasants Forever, all doing amazing work, but nobody was really focused on public lands and public waters. And so that was really the impetus of our organization. And, you know, Fast forward to now, we've got 40,000 plus members. We've got chapters in uh, 48 out of the 50 states. Uh, the only states we don't have right now are Hawaii and Delaware. I have uh, volunteered to go to Hawaii to try to start a chapter there. Um, and so far, during yeah. COVID, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and uh, then we've got two Canadian provinces uh, that we have chapters in and then one territory. So wow. the idea continues to grow. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's an awesome group of people to be a part of, um, you know, whether that's if you're a brand new hunter or somebody that's very seasoned, uh, we're welcoming to everybody. Did, uh, was it just you and some buddies that started it or how'd that? No, I didn't actually start it. I was an earlier, okay. early adopter. I became a member pretty early on, uh, yeah. but it was uh, some folks that were really in the conservation community that were sitting around a fire late at night. Uh, lore has it that there was a little bit of whiskey involved and uh, they really started looking again at this playing field and they said you know let's start something and so yeah. I had a couple of friends around that that campfire and they called me and said would you like to be a member I said absolutely but really until I took over seven years ago it was all volunteer driven there was a couple part-time staff uh, I was the first full-time staff and you know we had a thousand members I think at that time so think about seven years ago and where we are now with 40,000 plus it's because I think public lands and waters resonates with anybody you know it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter who your parents are it doesn't matter kind of you know what color you are and really it doesn't matter in the country you can always find some public lands or public waters somewhere and, and so I think it's been a universal kind of, you know, rallying cry. And that's one of the reasons why we've grown so fast. Yeah. And <clears throat> obviously you're a hunter, fisherman too. Uh, do you got any, what's, what's your, what's your favorite kind of game to hunt? Oh man. So super tough, especially living here in Montana, right? Like we have this mm -hmm. plethora of things to do. Exactly. Um, 
I think, you know, and this is weird coming from Montana because we're not really a hot zone for waterfowl. Uh, but I grew up, you know, some of my favorite memories growing up were going with my dad to, you know, these duck spots early in the morning and watching these ducks erupt from there and then watching the dogs work. And, oh, yeah. and that was way before I could pull the trigger, you know. And so I think that waterfowl piece to me, I mean, I got a young lab, she's three. Um, and I would say if I had to give everything up and only could hunt one thing, it might be labs and all my elk hunting buddies and deer hunting buddies are probably going to like uh, chastise <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the things I love about ducks is watching the marsh wake up in the morning. But then I would also say that I can go out for a couple hours and then work for the rest of the day, you know, or I can go out yeah. in the evening or, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, for my lifestyle right now, particularly with work and young kids, it's like it's the most conducive. And um, so I plan on this fall doing a bunch of duck hunting, but I've also got an elk tag, like a cow elk tag. I got a, a doe tag, an antelope tag, and so right. you know we'll be hunting them all. We'll be hunting them yeah. all for sure. I struck out on the elk tag this year for the rakes south of me, but uh, oh, okay. I got. Uh, I live in Malta, is where I'm from. I don't know if you that. Awesome! Right? I know where you are. Yeah. Uh, have you ever duck hunted over here or anything? I've not. I've hunted uh, sharp tails uh, and sage grouse up on oh, yeah. the uh, up in the like on the refuge. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit west of there, so I've bird hunted all over in there, but I've not like hunted big game over there. Yeah. Um, it's dude. It's the breaks are such a, I mean, for those that don't know, man, come on. Like they're just exactly. such a beautiful place. And I actually had a paddlefish tag this year Oh, nice! and uh, did that up in the upper Missouri, kind of uh, Missouri breaks national monument and ended up catching this gigantic freaking prehistoric beast. It was 93 and a half pounds. And I, I saw that on your Instagram, right? Dude, it was awesome. But I yeah. think, I mean, it was, it was rad to hook into that fish, but it was also fun to hang out in that country. You know, when you come off those ridges and you dive into the river, like there's these riparian zones with cottonwoods and all those breaks in between, man. It's just, so you live in great country uh, and uh, and you know that, but, uh, you know, and there's big mule deer around. And I mean, it's, you live in some pretty cool places. I, I tell you one thing, I, I, uh, you want to freak yourself out about the breaks. I was listening this, I don't know, a year or two ago and I'm, I'm driving south, I'm heading to Billings and just like cresting over the breaks. And I'm listening to Rogan's podcast with Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock. And they're talking about how all this water flowed through the breaks and now how this has got it carved out and all this. And right then a great big uh, meteor shoots through the sky right in front of me. No. About all these meteors hitting earth and stuff. I'm telling you, I, I about <laughs> lost it right there. I'm like, this is the eeriest thing I've ever seen. And I mean, yeah, right. right they're talking about the Missouri breaks and everything. And it just all lined up, but. But yeah, it's it's awesome. I've been going out there since I was a little kid. You know, I mean, we go out like Forchette and even water sports. I learned to kneeboard out there. Cool. Uh, I got a lot of friends that own land out south there too. You know, and um, I've, I've, this is where I've I've lived my whole life pretty much. I've moved away and moved back just because I love Malta so much. But but yeah, it's it's. it's well, it's awesome. And you bring up Joe Rogan, right? Isn't like, that was like the first time he hunted was uh, mule deer in the Missouri yeah. breaks. And like, you know, now he's this huge advocate for hunting and kind of eat, you know, killing your own meat and yeah. how sustainable that is. And, um, but he fell in love with the breaks, right? Like, so like, you know, again, yeah. you live in amazing country and uh, I felt, I feel lucky to go there, but I need to explore it more. Yeah. We, uh, we got, like I said, he must've got lucky with the place he went the first time just to, <laughs> look at hunting so hard because I mean, well, he went with some good guys anyway, but totally. I, I knew pretty much right where they were, and it, it is a good spot to hunt for sure. But um, as far as like everything around, that's the nice thing about where I'm at in Malta, which I hate to let the secret out. You know, I mean, we got Milk Riverland <laughs> too, which you got tons of whitetail, and then yep. 
you get south, you got, or even north, you got lots of mule deer country too. And I mean, good fishing, just about everything you want up here. If you're, if you're an outdoorsman, it's a great place to live. But. Yeah, you talk about the milk and I haven't done this yet, but we've had quite a few members uh, that have done this where they float the milk and then hunt those islands for whitetails and pheasants. Oh yeah. And again, we're probably giving up too many secrets here. The nice <laughs> thing is though, is that it's in the middle of nowhere. So like, you got to work to get there. Right. And, yep. Which is part of the cool thing about, you know, I think, uh, where you live is that, um, you know, you got to put in some work no matter what. I actually, I have a cabin on the Milk River that got cool. under a couple acres there, but it's all riverfront and stuff. It's pretty fun place. Cool. But, cool. Um, they, like you said, as far as people hard to get here, it seems like it's getting less and less hard every year because I, anytime I go out, you do see more and more out of state tags and stuff, you know, as you're out there. But one thing that's good about it, I'm actually, so other than that little chunk of land, I, I don't own a farm or a ranch or anything. I lived right in town pretty much my whole life. But I bartend on the weekends to get, get away from my normal job that I work from home here. And the hunting season is by far the best time of our year, you know, is hunters come in and they spend a lot of money. And totally. uh, even like my mom works at, at one of the restaurants next door to where I bartend and same there. That I mean, hunting season is where they, they make their bread, really, from out-of-staters and stuff. So, I mean, as much as... When you're out there with a, a rifle and you're hunting and you're running into all these out-of-state tags and stuff, it, it it can be frustrating then. But then you come back into town and if you see the town booming at that time, it's you know it's kind of a give and take that way. But yeah, I've heard people describe that as like uh, you know, especially rural Montana, but probably anywhere in the United States is really like Christmas. You know, that lasts for like you know we're yeah. lucky we have such a long you know. Uh, prosperous like big game season in particular but you think about bird season it's very long as well but it's like christmas for that entire time right because you have all these people in flux here and i get you on that piece about uh running into people and i think that's like you know we just talked about working hard you know and like it's like as long as you're kind of like trying to get away from people usually you can right yeah. and i and i think as you know more and more people have on x or they're listening to your podcast or somebody else's like they get keyed in on areas that are pretty special Exactly. Um, but we can all figure out, I think, how to get away from those things. You know, and, and you mentioned Onyx. That, that's definitely done wonders, too, as far as, I mean, even not only public land hunting, but it, especially around here when you know all the landowners and stuff, and you're out totally. somewhere and you go, oh, man, this is so-and-so's land. Uh, we do have permission here, but, you know, next door, it, it's nice to have that app now, where back in the day, you would just hope you knew exactly where you were, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been one of the I would say that's been one of the biggest game changers as far as, far as technology, like you know, in the it recent is. years. And and I use it like I hunt just north of Missoula. Uh, God, I'm giving away stuff. I just hunt north of Missoula up on like nine pipes for waterfowl. Yeah, and some and some upland birds as well. And I use that app like all the time because like the tribe up there is buying land all the time, which is open to hunters, and so there's stuff yeah. that looks like totally private, doesn't have any signs or anything on it. But with that, with that app, like I can tell where I am, which is the big part. And then exactly. also like that it's open to me. So I use it all the time, man. I got, and we didn't have that then, but we were using just GPS here. I don't know, probably six, seven years ago, my buddy got a, drew a moose tag for South of Dillon over there. Whoa, cool. And, and like, man, it, and it was a successful hunt, but talk about some serious hiking to, to get to it, you know, and. <laughs> Onyx would have been huge then to to know exactly where you're at and stuff. I mean, we were totally. just big old handheld ones, you know, that right then, but it was fun. It was a good hunt. And, uh, but you can really realize what kind of rugged country you can get into in Montana too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I'm a, I go to the Bob Marshall a lot and yep. just talking to my cousin and there's a spot, you know, we go down to the confluence of these two uh, creeks and then we can do that for the horses so they can have water. But man, there's this ridge that we have to hike up to all the time. And I'm like, dude, let's stop like doing this, like 2000 feet of elevation every day. Right. Like yeah. let's like have base camp, you know, and then let's get up to this top. And like the biggest limiting factor there is going to be water, but yeah. Um, no, this, th we got big country here in Montana and it's, uh, uh, it's definitely a challenge all the time when you're out there. So do you, uh, do you guide also, or do you just go with friends when you hunt? Is that? No, I, I just go with friends, you know, I mean, I've, 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 I've gone on, uh, guided fishing trips before and I'm trying to think like maybe one or two guided hunts in my life. Um, but the majority of that's just with friends, man. And, you know, we, you grew up here, I grew up here, you know, like we have so many opportunities and. You know, when I travel across the country and go meet with members, uh, sometimes I wish I wasn't married and had kids because, you know, like I'd have <laughs> so many more opportunities. Oh, yeah. But usually, you know, when we go someplace, it's just like, you know, you get to go out and meet somebody, you know, down in Oklahoma and we'll go go do something or somebody over in South Carolina, you know, North Carolina, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, people are pretty welcoming. So I've, I feel very lucky to be doing what I'm doing and have just people that know their place that, you know, are willing to take me out. How many kids do you have now? I got two. I got a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, 12-year-old daughter, 9-year-old son. Uh, both are super into fishing. Daughter could have, you know, like we have that apprentice program here in Montana, yeah. and she could have hunted when she was 10. Uh, wanted to get her on birds first, and I, even like a 410 was just too big for her. Yeah. Uh, and she's just kind of, I mean, she's she's tall but she's really skinny and so like just too much and so yeah. she, she hasn't hunted yet but she has taken hunter safety this year um, which is all online which is interesting and then no kind of uh, field day um which you know I they're think not doing the field day this year huh no I didn't, I didn't know my, my son's already been through what they're trying to do and how old is, yeah. how old is he he's 13 he just got his okay. first elk last year actually oh dude how rad is that that's yeah. so dude, awesome great yeah and Good. you wouldn't believe how pumped he is as far as you know, fill in the freezer full of meat. And then when, when we're eating his elk steaks, you know, oh man, he just the joy on his face. He's, he yeah, went out, he looked, actually went out with his grandpa and got that one. His grandpa's pretty avid hunter, bow hunter too, but he got in on that apprenticeship program and, and got in cool. and he actually, yeah, I, uh, he drew one again this year too. So hopefully we can. awesome. Dude. I know. Yeah, I think like, like the best part of like that, I mean, obviously it's great that he killed this elk and, yeah. um, but that he's, when he, the smile on his face when you guys are eating his elk like the way he said that like his elk right like he's providing for the family yep. and what a great thing to learn as a 12 13 year old right like how cool is that well and, and it's pretty easy for us you know that live in montana to say man elk steaks are great i mean i live in the right in the middle of the best <laughs> beef country too you know you can true, get one true. of the best steaks you've ever had but i honestly i mean i i, I like them both but i i love eating elk steaks especially like as a breakfast steak you know um, for people who haven't tried it and they think that this, I mean, get any anti-hunters or anything like that, I, how the heck do you think they get your meat at the store? You know, I mean, yep. it totally. either came through a feedlot or you went out and found it yourself. And I've always well, it that way. That You have like this connection to the land too, right? No matter exactly. wherever you kill that animal, like when you're eating that, like when your son is eating his elk, right? Again, oh yeah, like he, he knows where he was, right? And he has his connection mm -hmm. to that place and he has connection to that animal. And like, you know, and I'm not, I mean, again, I eat beef steaks. Like, you know, again, we live in a great place. You know, the Blackfoot Valley has a lot of great beef that, you know, just close to town here. And, um, but it's not, I don't have that intimate connection with that meat, you know? And exactly. I think that's such a special.
lose you? Yeah, sorry about that. My daughter, my daughter is, uh, oh. uh, she's out right now and she just tried to call me. She's up oh, okay. somewhere. Sorry if, about that. Have you got an answer um, in your closet or something? No, 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 no. Like okay. she's, she can call mom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that connection to food, man. I think it's just such an important thing. And a lot of people, I think that's one of the reasons why BHA has grown so fast too, right? Like food is such an important thing. And you, know, you and I are lucky to grow up in Montana, be immersed in like hunting and fishing. But there's all these like late 20s, early 30 somethings that like are like, wow, oh, I, I bought my, you know, I bought my vegetables at the local farmer's market. Now I'm growing my own garden. And man, I want to get my own meat. And they're like, I don't really know how to do it. And so like we're helping do that a little bit yeah. um, and, and, and really provide them opportunities. And so then like you see them and how how that meat, like, I mean, you've grown up with it. So it means something to us. But like when, if you're like late twenties, early thirties and you're eating your first wild game that you killed, it's just like your son, right? It's just like this oh, crazy man. thing. And it, there could be nothing more healthy than this wild game. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You have you, I, I tell people all the time, like if you eat elk steak and eggs for breakfast, you're packed with <laughs> energy for the rest of the day. I mean, you're... <laughs> one of the thing you're, one of the things you're living like a King, yeah. but you're also eating really good food, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So do you have any, uh, you got any favorite game to eat? Or, I mean, are you a big fan of a duck or something? Yeah. I mean, like you said that's your I favorite. I mean, duck, I figured, I figured out like probably 15, 20 different ways to cook duck, which I'm super yeah. excited about. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, I've shot moose, elk, uh, antelope, whitetails, mule deers, bighorn sheep. Uh, I would say out of all those, bighorn sheep is probably – my favorite and it's got like a little bit of a sweet taste to it i've shot a ewe and a ram now and um man i just it, I, you don't get that eat it very often either right and so i think that is like there's kind of like this uh a novelty of it i guess a little bit too but that sweet meat man like sheep meat is absolutely delicious and so after i killed my ram three years ago I can't put in for another seven years, right? Like, luckily here in Montana, that's not a lifetime tag, and maybe I'll be fit enough to you know, hunt them again yeah. when I get a tag. But I can apply for a U right away. And so while I would waste points if I did that, I'm like, man, I just want to eat that meat again. So yeah. I didn't get it this year or last year, um, but I'll keep applying for that U until I can start applying for a ram again. Where, where'd you go hunt bighorn? Just uh, east of town up Rock Creek. Oh, okay. So Rock Creek, famous fly fishing, you yep. know, stream. Um, it's I've always fished up there, never hunted really, and then I got this tag, and it's like it's super steep, and then you get off to, up into these like plateaus, and those those uh, sheep. It was so fun to chase around. It took me like 18 days to kill that thing. Wow. Um, not in a row, but uh, 18 days. But man, it was cool country, uh, great species to hunt, and then ultimately just delicious to eat. That's that the tag for bighorn sheep here in the breaks is a really coveted one. Cause I, right. there's been plenty of times I've been out there and I've never actually got a tag, but I mean, you can get within 20 yards of a bighorn pretty easy out there, you know, if given the right day, but there's, I've definitely seen some huge ones taken out of there for sure. Yeah. I think the, I mean, I mean, you, there's much bigger ones in the breaks up Rock Creek. Rock Creek got the, that uh, pneumonia too. Oh, really? uh, like that, like, like, I think it was like eight years ago, nine years ago now. And so like when I got my tag, they were just starting to come back up. And so I didn't shoot a huge ram, 
which I'm not really that concerned about, to be totally honest. Like, you know, it was a great experience. Um, shot a, you know, a good representative of the species. And then, and, and again, the food was just, man, I, I'm salivating right now, even like remembering but, how, you know. Well, that's, that's yeah. it. You know, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody wants that huge bowl of elk and stuff. I'm, I'm in the point, I'm happy to fill the freezer most of the time, you know. Yeah. I mean, if it's, yeah. if, if you come home and you got elk meat for the next six months, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the best part about the whole thing but it's a, it's a pretty good payoff right yeah so you got any you got any good hunting stories that uh I, i've had a couple like this that at the time it wasn't the greatest experience but now you can sit back around a campfire and go like now you treasure that experience you know you got out you got stuck somewhere or got nasty weather or something that yeah, you know, like I would say that that's one of the things I love about waterfowl hunting, you know, is like you get that nasty, you're on the water, a huge storm comes in, sleet's going sideways, you know, it's like yeah. sub-zero water or sub-zero weather, like you're just like, it's it's nasty, right? And like you just have yeah. to embrace it, you know, and it's kind of like, I think uh, it's like bring it on kind of, you know, like, in the, <laughs> um, but I would say I go back to that sheep hunt, man, like that, that first week I was hunting, it rained the entire week. Only saw a couple animals, you know, a couple of sheep, uh, no big rams at all. And it was like trying and I was all by myself and I got my little teepee, you know, my stove in there. So I'm getting warm at night. And I was reading this uh, uh, end of the world book. And as I'm reading it, like I get to the end and like this family just like comes together and I'm like, oh, I was like just missing my wife and my kids more than I've probably missed them in a long time. Yeah. And. So I'm like, I'm out, you know, it's like been a week, you know, I think I, I left on a Saturday, I had one more day and I was just like, man, I got more this season, but like, I need to go see my family. So pack up all my stuff. It's super wet. Drive down this like long dirt road. I'm like 26 miles up like uh, Rock Creek. And as I come out and finally get cell phone coverage, I uh, call my, I call my, try to call my wife and I can't get a hold of her. Like I, you know, and, and so I'm going down the road and there's this little place in Clinton that's got fried chicken. You know, I'm like, you know, I've been fried chicken is like maybe some like uh, soul food for you, like a little bit. Right. And sure. So I'm pulling off the interstate to go into Clinton and I go to call my wife again and it's dark out and I'm looking at my phone, get distracted because it's so bright and like it's been raining all week. And so the shoulder's wet and I ended up drifting a little bit. And then overcorrecting, you know, I mean, you grew up in Montana and like we're used to like screwing around and like, you know, washboards and like going sideways in trucks. Like I know how to deal with like sliding, but yep. I overcorrected just out of dumbness and rolled my truck twice oh. and totaled it. Like gun, gun was passenger side with me out of its case. Like, thank God it didn't hit me in the face. But like, <laughs> so that was like traumatic, uh, you know. It was like a yard sale with my shit everywhere. You know, you had like coolers and like dry boxes. And, and so like I recovered, well, I get, you know, I get done with that. Um, and it's like a week before I go hunting again and I can't sleep, dude. I got, I'm hearing like, like crashes, like, you know, like that crunch, like the crunch of the glass in particular and like the quietness and then the crunch and the quietness and the crunch again. And I can't sleep. And, and I was like, you know, and I, my body's kind of messed up a little bit. I'm just not feeling great. And I was like, man, I'm going to go, I got to go. This is like a once in a lifetime, not, you know, maybe not once in a lifetime, but potentially, but yeah, like I got to go. So I'd go back up Rock Creek and, uh, got up in the woods and set up my teepee. And I slept like for the first time that night in the woods. I don't know if it was like the stillness or the fresh air or whatever it was, 
but I slept like I, you know, my body kind of felt better that next morning. Yeah. And again, I didn't hunt that. I didn't kill that sheep till later, but like, that was like, it was pretty eye opening to me, like on what, like the woods mean to you mentally. And then also physically, um, another piece of that hunt, I was, uh, I've been watching these ewes for probably an hour and then was like, you know, I'm going to go get over there because they're on a ridge. I'm like, there's going to be, and there might be a ram that comes up. And so I got within a hundred yards of them and this ram who is definitely shootable comes up and I'm like, it's on. And I find this ponderosa pine and it's got like this about four, four and a half, five feet up. It's got this nice little uh, branch that comes out. It's only like six inches long, but like super solid, I thought. And I was like, put my gun on that. I'm on this ram take it off safety. I'm doing my one, two, three, yeah. blow out, pull it. And as I'm pulling the trigger, like that branch breaks. I don't know if I like leaned in a little bit extra into that thing, but I'm on this steep hill and I fall over and the gun is discharged, which is like super safe at that point. But yeah. the, the scope hits me in the chin, almost knocks me out. I roll down this hill like four or five times. And then like, you know, I'm like, what happened? Right. Yeah. And like the, like the dust clears and I go do start doing my circles, you know, and I look for it until it gets dark that night. I looked the entire next day and I was just, I was devastated to be totally honest. Right. Like totally yeah. devastated. And I got to the spot where there were some bedding areas where I'd seen them in there before no blood again. I'm checking all that area. And I kind of sat down and I was like, you know, I think I missed, you know, like I'd really got right with that that happened. And I was like, but I need to sight in my gun. And I found this little tin can, like tuna can that must've been from another hunter, right? Like where I was, like there was no, I mean, I, nobody's hiking up where I was, like you're yeah. off trail, steep stuff. So I find this little tuna can and I look down, there's like this little uh, like old snag and I put it in the crux of that snag, go back hundred yards. And I center punch that thing, you know, like at hundred yeah. yards. And I'm like, all right, now, you know, I feel okay about my gun. You know, it's been through the rollover on the car. Yeah. It's been through this fall, by the way, Kimber Mountain Ascent, awesome gun with the yeah. vortex scope on it um but uh and then i killed my ram the next day dude and, oh, and nice. I, I so the ups and the downs both in elevation and like oh, mental yeah. kind of of that hunt i'll i mean yes pulling the trigger was awesome you know having that ram finally you know touching that ram and being like oh my goodness this thing is over but i think the thing i will cherish would be just all that kind of you know the uh mental part of that and then the physical part of all of that so yeah. that's what i would say is one of my most memorable hunts and i've got we've we've both probably got tons of them but like that one since we've been talking about it uh that's what pricked my brain it's like that's probably one of the most memorable ones i've had have you ever had any you're over in grizzly bear country have you had any uh yeah. major encounters at all you know the grizzly i haven't not while hunting you know i think i've been around bears like especially when we go hunt up in the bob marshall we hunt yeah, up there you know pretty much once a year and we're around bears a lot up there, but they're pretty smart, man. Like we'll have our horse camp and they'll, you know, be on the, the trail, like 50 yards before camp, go around, you know, and then get back on and then behind us. But I was on the east side one time of the Bob and we were up the North Fork of the Sun and we were doing a scouting trip up there in the spring. And cause I'd never been up there. And so we go, we go across Gibson Reservoir, it's like seven miles. And then we hike in seven miles after that. So it's a pretty long day, right? Like you're pretty exhausted. And yeah. I had this dumb water filter. By the way, those water filters that you can actually just scoop in the water and then hang up in a tree. Like that's oh. my go-to now because you don't have to do anything. It's gravity fed and it's super fast. Oh. 
but I had one of those pumper ones, you know, that you hook onto your Nalgene and I was like, wasn't working great. And so I had to like really look at it. And so I was just like zoned in, which you kind of never want to be when you're in the woods. Like, but I'm yeah. just like not wearing my surroundings. And I'm right on the edge of the Sun River, which was raging at that point because it's spring. My buddy comes up to me and he taps me on the shoulder and he goes, and he goes, grizzly bear. <laughs> and, I, I, and I look up and like at 60 yards, 70 yards, there's a grizzly bear and he's looking right at me, dish face, like all, like you, you can tell it's a grizzly bear right away. Yep. And so then we have this huge cut bank behind us and, and like from this river. And so like, I'm like, oh, and I, for some reason I have my bear spray on me. You know, like usually when we get to camp, like I'm kind of like, all right, we're not going to, you know, like surprise anything now. And so I can take yeah. it off, which is probably a dumb move um, <laughs> for those listening, just leave it on all the time. But like, so we start going up this uh, cut bank and that bear rushes and he gets to the edge of the river, which is only probably like 20 yards wide and he stops. But then there's like this little, uh, there's like a little uh, Douglas fir right there. And he just starts beating it up, man. And like, and like, oh, he's like standing up and like huffing, like he's not flapping his jaws. A lot of people say like they've heard him flap their jaws or whatever, but he's yeah. huffing like, Ugh! and he's like, you can see his traps just bulging out of like his body. And I, he was fairly young bear. Like, I think he was like, uh, I mean, I'm guessing by like three or four because he's away from mom, but yeah. Um, and but man, I was and <laughs> so he ended up not coming across the river. The river was high water, but he could have come across that thing in a second. But as he disappeared in the trees, he'd go upstream, then he'd come out like 50 yards, look at us, disappear again, do the same thing until oh, wow. we couldn't see him anymore. And you know, we both have our own two man tents, and like, like that night, we kind of built this huge fire and looked at each other like we we're both super exhausted right the like the adrenaline from that event but like the seven miles on the canoe the seven miles hiking we were exhausted so we just kind of looked at each other like all right it's time to go to bed and uh woke up that next morning you know how sun wakes you up in the tent and woke woke us up and uh i was like oh i'm okay and i unzipped my tent and he was okay and like we were okay but that's the closest i ever want to be to a grizzly bear man and i i, I would probably say at the closest he was probably like 40 yards um oh. and and mean dude like i just like i like hunting around grizzly bears i really do uh it makes your awareness way different right like you're oh, yeah. when you when you hear things or the things that you do or just i don't know i just it's different but holy cow i never want to be that close ever again i bet not i i i would say out in the wilderness like close i've been probably around 100 yards and it was heading uphill and away from me so i'd uh, but even so that, it, so it was like, awesome. But it was awesome, right? Like, oh, it, like, it was. It was great. But even yeah. then, you're like, don't turn, don't turn, don't. <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing what kind of how fast they can cover country too. Oh, unbelievable! Know? And going uphill. That's I mean, it was running straight up, and I'm like, that's something <laughs> I could barely walk up, much less run. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So you guys, you uh, as an average hunter, I know a lot of guys do like uh, have some everyday carry things. Do you? Do you have any specific everyday carry things that you like to plug or anything? Uh, I mean, good question. Or do you I mean, you're in the truck until you're ready to hunt. I mean, is that? I mean, I keep a lot. I mean, so I would say, I'd I'd say maybe three things. First one is, is I bought a raft like 15 years ago, and probably as outdoor stuff, it's been the most enabling thing for me that I've ever had. Right, like it yeah. almost calls to me in the driveway, like take me out, take me out. But it's. Yeah. It's also got me into places where I wouldn't have been able to go in the, you know, in the first place by floating down a river and getting into some sneaky weasel public land spot, you know? Yeah. Um, so the raft has been amazing. I did just buy a John boat to go hunt uh, ducks in um, nice. up on the, you know, up north of us. But 
Uh, so I'd say that, like the raft in particular, then I would go to like, I got this bench made knife. I don't even know which one it is, but it is super rad, dude. Yep. Um, it's fixed blade and I just use it for everything. When I'm fishing, it's always on me. When I'm hunting, it's always on me. And so love that knife. Um, and then the other thing that I just got was this deck system in my truck. I don't know if you know that deck system that has like drawers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on your Instagram, I guess. But yeah, those are. Dude, those are it is super cool. sick. It's super sick because you can like it like one it protects your stuff right which is yeah. super awesome but then it's like all there for you and, it, and you can pull it out and like organize it i'm not the most organized dude in the world but like you know have my stuff in there and i can change it out you know and so the like if it's fishing season you know, I got a couple rods in there my yep. um my net you know and and then have my anchor in there which is keeps that secure from my boat so it's not flying around my truck if something happened um and then during hunting season, you know, it's shotguns and rifles. And uh, I love it, man. I, it's been, and I, you know, they are a corporate partner of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And so yeah. that's just like, that's like that's my caveat to this whole thing. Yeah. But that all said, best piece of gear I've probably gotten in the last decade. Like it is absolutely amazing. Absolutely I, don't know how amazing. Many, I don't know how many times I've, in my life, I've seen a fishing pole get snapped by a tailgate or something. You know, <laughs> totally. Throw, totally. Throw totally. Under your fishing pole and, yeah, that's yeah, keeps it secure and like, you know, like, and even like keeps dust out too, right? Like, yep. and like, you know, we drive on a lot of dirt roads, you and I, and like yep. that dust, no matter what you do, it gets in everywhere. But they got these, I think they're, whether gassets or whatever on there that make prevent like the dust from coming in. And literally I could go out to my truck right now and show you like, I mean, I've been driving around on dirt roads all summer and that stuff is clean, at least yeah. At least dust-wise it's clean, yes. you know, inside those trucks. Yeah, you talk about dirt roads this, this last week and I, I also do some DJing and like wedding DJ this last week and I had to go local rancher out south I'd drive like 35 miles of gravel just to go to this DJ gig and it's out in a big you know steel building or whatever and yeah. by the time I got home my whole car was just I mean an inch thick of dust through the whole thing there's nothing you can do about it either there's oh, nothing uh, you can do about it yeah yeah but but yeah it, it can definitely get dusty heading down those roads for sure so uh you want to talk a little bit I know like you said you you do a lot of the stuff on the on the politics and uh, the Great American Outdoor Act. Um, yeah. Explain that a little bit to people that might not know what it is and what happened. I mean, it was totally a big bipartisan yeah. thing that got passed through, isn't it? It was amazing. Like, I mean, here in Montana, you know, both senators voted for it. Uh, yeah. Congressman Gianforte voted for it as well, which they don't always see eye to eye. So it was something that yeah. you know, brought people together. Uh, but the, the bill had really two main components. And the first one, was a land and water conservation fund. Land and water conservation fund has been around since 1964, takes money from offshore oil development in the Gulf of Mexico and puts that back to, uh, I would say, conservation and access opportunities stateside. So it's been doing that ever since 1964. It was authorized at $900 million, which means it has to go through, this gets technical for a second, but it has to go through like this uh, appropriations process in Congress. And so while $900 million was authorized and the money was there, uh, they'd only appropriated it twice fully, right? And so um, at 900 million. So usually it was around 300 to 400 million. That's a split between 50 states. Um, and so, you know, while we've utilized a lot of that money here in Montana, you know, we weren't utilizing as much as we could. And just a little more about the Land and Water Conservation Fund, like fishing access sites, like it's like 70% of the fishing access sites here in Montana are paid for by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. It probably also paid for like a swimming pool or a park in Malta, to be totally honest. Um, it's like 
like smaller towns, especially don't have a tax base necessarily to pay for some of those amenities, like the Land and Water Conservation Fund has helped with that. Um, and so it's been used in like 99% of the counties uh, in America. So that was the first piece. So it was the idea of instead of this, you know, appropriated, that this is going to be dedicated funding so that we don't have to, it's always going to be there. It doesn't, you know, like, and so yeah. it's $900 million. So that was the first piece. Second piece is, is that, you know, our public lands, you know, I think I even just read something in the paper that Yellowstone, even amongst COVID is having it's like even like a record year visitation again this year, right? And so you think about our national parks, you think about our forest service lands, think about Bureau of Land Management, Fish and Life Service, all those places, you know, people go out and visit, but we weren't necessarily caring feeding them. And so they had a $20 billion backlog in maintenance. Like think about how big that number is. Yeah. And, and so the second part of this bill was one point let's see 1.9 billion dollars for five years so ultimately 9.5 billion again that comes from offshore oil and gas development as well as new kind of stateside development um and and so and that's i guess it's not just oil and gas it's also uh, solar any kind of energy development that, that yeah. basically would help pay for that so those are the two big components um you know again senator dane's uh great champion went to you know trump and asked him him and senator gardner from colorado went to them back in march and you know there's an election going on this year and um, senator dane's wants to do good for the people of montana and um and he's you know he could have gone and talked about border stuff could have gone there and talked about the economy could have talked about you know anything really and he and senator gardner went there and said we need the land and water conservation fund to get passed and the president who had just zeroed out that in his budget two weeks later he says awesome let's go for it so this legislation it passes out of the senate uh 70 what was it 73 to 25 out of the house 310 to i think it was 307 to 110 so huge bipartisan like majorities right and which we do not I mean, if you're following politics right now, people don't get along, right? It's not, it's never been more split in my entire life. As it is and that's right what, now. and that's what people say, right? And like, these are yeah. people that are way older than you and I that are like yeah. looking at this. I mean, like, this is the most partisan they've ever seen it. And so for a vote to come together like that was pretty sweet. And I would say, and then ultimately signed by the president. And I would say there's like two big, huge themes there. First of all, goes back to what I said earlier is that public lands don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, independent. They don't care how much money you have, you know, they don't care who your parents are, who you know, they're open to everybody, you know, everybody. And that's like a you know, straight fact. Yeah. And there's that piece. And then I also think that, you know, the people spoke up man, and a lot of people don't think that their voice counts anymore in this country. And, you know, we here at BHA, I think just in the last like month of that legislation, we generated like 36,000 emails. We did like over 6,000 phone calls out to Congress and really got people engaged in the process. Oh yeah. But just engaging people in the process and like, you know, like people don't think their voice counts anymore. Well, yeah, it doesn't if you don't use it. And here's, a, here's the direct line that people use their voices and people listen and we got this thing over the finish line. Yeah. And, you know, we've got, you know, I think, you know, Senator Daines is great, like a great example. So Senator Daines, when we first started talking about the Land and Water Conservation Fund was supportive, but really wanted to tweak a lot of the ways it was used. And yeah. we as a, I would say a sportsman's community, not just BHA, we're like, no, no, man, this is like, this is working really well. Yeah. This is the way politics are supposed to work. This is the way, you know, our elected officials are supposed to work. He listened and I was like, yeah. all right, and I'm going to go be a champion of this thing. So I, I just, you know, and Senator Tester has been great throughout this process. And again, Gianforte signed on as well. Um, but 
pretty awesome and historic, I would say, in our lifetimes. You know, think about $900 million a year yeah. for the rest of our lives, dude. Like, that's, what, like, that's what's pretty the, rad. What's the argument against it, then? I mean, what would it... Yeah, that's a good question. So, there, I'd, I'd say there'd, like, be... There's probably two main ones. Um, and the first one is that, hey, we already have all this public land and we can't take care of it already, right? That $20 yeah. billion dollars in backlog that I talked about, that was the second yeah. part of like the thing. And I'm like, I get you on that piece, but also, you know, Congress, and this is, you know, through different, you know, leadership, like whether the Republicans control Congress or the Democrats, have been kind of systematically defunding our public lands agencies, right? And so the reason they have a $20 billion backlog is because we haven't been investing in them. Right, is the way I look at it. Yeah. And so, while that argument, I get it. Um, you know, we're not making any. You know, like, well, I guess with Land and Water Conservation Fund, now we are. But like yeah. those public lands, like these opportunities, like you know, think about like ranching communities, like, like that you've been around, right? Like if you're yeah. like a lot of this, there's some of these bigger purchases, and ones I know about are more here in Western Montana, but or even I guess over by the Smith River. Uh, and is that is that you know, if you're a rancher and you want to keep your land the way it is, but you don't have your kids aren't going to be, you know, they decided to go do something else. Yeah. Here's an opportunity to like, make sure that piece of land is always going to be the way it is, right? Like going forward, you know, and it's not like anybody's forcing that rancher to do that, right? It's like their choice. So that gives that opportunity. And so who are we to deny, you know, that I think, and then also that just, you know, creates more opportunities when you talk about, I mean, it's, uh, hard to hear around Malta that you're having more pressure, right? Like, especially well, on public it's, land. It's, and, I mean, like, around here you know we got with the apr and everything it's i mean there's been some serious war around it and i, I do see sure. the rancher side of it for sure i mean i and i i have a lot of friends that are ranchers <clears throat> and the the big issue there is that there's bigger money coming in from outside that they can't compete with like say if i'm if i'm a rancher and i want to expand my land oh. i want to buy joe's house next door it's really tough for me to do if i'm competing with that kind of money and that's where I get I get it as well you know and I think it's uh yeah I mean I man it's there's so many different angles to just that there piece is. that you just brought up right um but the like again like I think you know this opportunity to expand our public land opportunities you know that are available to everybody oh, exactly. that, that create the economy you were talking about earlier you know I called it like Christmas for like four or yeah. five months right like you know it's like Let's care and feed that. And so that was the first argument was like, we don't, we can't take care of what we already got. And then the second one, which is a little bit more legitimate, I would say, um, is the, like the coastal states, right? So this money is coming from the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. offshore oil development. They're like, we should be getting the lion's share of that money put back into stuff that we need done here. And I get that. I, I worked on a campaign. Yeah. down on the Mississippi River, like where that delta has been disappearing for like the last 80 years. And it's like this awesome waterfowl spot, great, you know, like fish kind of incubator. But as, as that marsh has died, like, you know, it's created a lot of problems. And so I can, I can see, especially um, some of the Louisiana folks and Mississippi folks, like we should be using this money here. I get that piece. But ultimately, you know, when they decided around the land water conservation fund in 64 it was like let's do this for the whole entire nation and that's why it's still the test of time right now too i see so that's they wanted they were hoping that the funds would stay closer locally there than spread absolutely okay absolutely I, I guess i do see their side up there too i mean which we do but i mean that's a whole lot of money to spread around too which it, it is like i said, mean and you know and i i mean that the mississippi river delta we're talking billions of dollars to fix that 
And yeah. like when the deep, deep water horizon spill happened, I was working down there, which was super tragic, right? Like 18 oh, yeah. people lose their lives or maybe it was 19, but it was, it was horrible, right? Yeah. But the fines that came from the Clean Water Act, um, which ended up being about $18 billion, like we helped pass some legislation that made sure that went back to conservation and restoration of that ecosystem versus yeah. going into new boats for the parish or like whatever yeah. that money could be used as. Exactly. And, and, you know, and while that was, God, I'm trying to think when that legislation was passed, it's probably like nine years ago. They're just starting to put like, you know, that to work down there in a lot of places. And um, it's going to have huge impacts. So there is some money going down there is what I'm trying to tell you, you know, yeah. at the tune of $18 billion. Um, and, and so I think that helps buffer some of those uh, complaints, I guess, a little bit. But, and normally, the, man, the wheels of, of legislature seem to move pretty slow, too. You know, many doors <laughs> must go through before, before the money actually shows up one way or another. You know, it does. It seems like uh, you hear it all the time. Well, the, you know, the government's sitting on this money or they were a lot of this money and it hasn't went anywhere yet, which yep. is true sometimes. But, man, it, it, it takes a lot of votes to get it moving where it's supposed to go, too. Well, and I think like we got to stay vigilant, right? You know, and I think like with like land and water conservation fund now, now that we're gonna have nine hundred million dollars, now it's all about implementation, right? Let's make sure that we that this money goes where it should, and like that's up to us as the people. Uh, you talk about like kind of the slow nature. I've been working for like twenty years in in this field. I've been talking about land and water conservation fund for twenty years, and we finally just got it passed like this year, right? And and I think it's like probably like uh the election season that really you know helped ultimately get this over the finish line as well as as well as kind of like just the awareness of the people and their engagement and some people aren't happy with that and i'm like man <laughs> like we'll take what we can get and if like, there's yeah. these outside pressures to like get stuff done you know like let's let's use it and i think you know if you look at a lot of legislation and it takes a long time for it to come all of a sudden the dam breaks and it's done right you're like whoa that just happened and so we took advantage of that this time. I think everybody else did too. And we're super excited about it. Well, and like we said before that, I don't know, I, especially this year, I don't know if I've ever lived a crazy year in my life but between, <laughs> between the politics and the COVID and everything else uh, yeah. with, with the COVID, how's that, how's that treated you in Missoula? Is it, how's it been there? You know, it's, uh, I mean, Missoula here, um, you know, we've had, it's, it's been, I mean, our kids, you know, I think that was the biggest probably impact of us is that the kids' schools shut down. Yeah. Right? And so then you're trying you to... Shut down? Is that the schools are closed in Missoula? They are. So we're just starting to open up again. And yeah. they are doing either two days full-time and then the rest online or, like, full online. Now, the big caveat there is, is if you don't... Like, the full immersion online actually has a program and, like, you know, like a platform that you're going to use. Yeah. The other piece doesn't. And so like, I think we're going to probably go back into full online like pretty quickly. And so we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our kids, dude. And I think that's like the, you know, besides like the, like the inability to go hang out with people, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. And like the, just, I mean, for BHA, God, we've, we've probably canceled over 200 events, including like our large rendezvous, which, yeah brings in, you know, 1,500 people, but also generates a bunch of funds for us. Um, so we had to cancel that. We went to online um, and did it virtually. And, and to be honest, it was kind of rad. Like, you know, like it was, a, it was a great way to be able to connect with people. And then I think we learned some things, you know, about how like doing stuff digitally and virtually. I mean, you and well, I are talking, you know, like yeah, across I, the airwaves right now. So I think there's a lot of businesses realizing that 
the the employees don't need to be slaves sitting in your office either in a lot of ways totally. for me i three years ago I, I used to work in radio for about 10 years and then three years ago i cut off and started doing my own thing i got the podcast and then i also i run a cell phone repair shop out of my house and i do graphic design and then uh i'm also a promoter i bring in like big comedy shows and rock concerts and different things which that's totally. the only part that's really been affected by COVID for me is the, right. I can't have any events, but as far as the cell phone repair, I think everybody's at home staring at their screens and I've got <laughs> way busier. I mean, it's been, I'm like thanking my lucky stars. I started what I did cause I've been safe from everybody. I'm at home. I made a drop box outside. They can drop their phones off and I work on them. But and well, it then, sounds like you're kind of an entrepreneur too, right? So like you've got right. all these different like diverse things going on. And so, well, maybe the live events have kind of slowed down for you, which yeah. they have for everybody. And I think, by the way, when that dam breaks, like just like we were talking about the legislation, it's going to be one huge party. I think like, so too. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. But I um, actually worked for Rock in the Rivers and Three Forks there, and that's been canceled okay. here. And that, uh, I mean, that's huge. The you know, ten thousand people that normally get together can't. And totally. Some people yeah, that's, the, that's their one event of a year that they go to. You know, so. Yeah, and it's like the economy, right? Like, but it's yeah. also just bringing people together and feeling like a community, you know. And I think that's like the that's probably been like the the one that we've concentrated on most is trying to like bring our people together, you know. Yeah. And because we are such a community, like I mean, with BHA, while we're at you know forty thousand members and have people all across the country and in North America, it's really those small events that bring people together that. Um, yeah that we're missing out on and so how do you do that virtually you know and like we did a turkey calling contest you know this last spring it was absolutely <laughs> awesome yeah the guy that won was from montana and he dressed up like the tiger king dude and it was like oh, a really? spitting image of him and plus was an he was an awesome like mouth turkey caller like he was just amazing and oh, so really? that was a lot of fun and interactive you know we didn't make any money off of that but it was like bringing our community together that's, and that's fun yeah you know, it's, it's super important so um yeah, no, it's, it's affected us. How about like schools? What's going on with you guys once you start again? Uh, they're giving them a choice. They start next week, but they're giving them a choice of either go to school or learn from home and do the online thing in the, in the program. But the yeah. only problem is there is, I mean, and I, I think the plan is we're probably going to send the kids to the school just because this whole COVID thing doesn't seem to affect the children near as much as it does the adults. But but they're trying all this distance learning. The only thing that really worries me about the whole thing is that they are requiring masks, not only just in the hallways, they're making it per teacher's discretion, whether they got to wear them all day or in their class or not. And that, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, my boy, he's, he's a lot like me I, where I don't think he likes to be told what to do all the time. I mean, that's, yeah. I can yeah. see some problems maybe coming from that. Um, my, my middle daughter, I think, I think she'll probably be fine with it. And then I got one in preschool and their preschool is a, gonna be a go but they lots of protocols they got to walk in the door and wash their hands right away they got I mean sure it's just so crazy to me because you know, me growing up I felt like school had a lot of rules anyway and now yeah. we stack all of them on top of it you know and that's where I kind of yeah, yeah. but everybody's got their own opinion of what we should and shouldn't do and I don't think anybody actually has a concrete answer of what could or you know none of us know and I, that's I like about, that's the scariest thing right As yeah and not even the scariest but like the that unknown piece and like not knowing exactly like, like I mean like are they gonna shut down the school for like in-person stuff you know I, I don't who knows right nobody knows well and I, I just put a post on Facebook yesterday about like they're gonna allow school sports but they're talking about maybe not having spectators and whatnot well I, I was a high school wrestler and at two different times I had pretty major injuries 
luckily my dad was in the crowd there to be able to take me to the hospital type thing, you know, but mm-hmm. if you don't have any spectators and let's say that our kids are out wrestling all the way in Shoto, which is quite a ways away from here, you find out it breaks his arm or something, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's part of the thing that scares me also about not being able to be there for sports. And, and I do feel bad for the kids. Like, let's say the, the top of the class of the athletes that got a chance to go on to the next level. How many yeah. of them missed out with spring track this year and how many people missed out totally. could have had a scholarship that might not be getting one now that are now oh. going to find a different job or whatever it is. It, it's, it's crazy to me, but, uh, and actually here in the last couple of weeks, Malta was hit kind of hard with some COVID, but, um, to my knowledge, I, I don't know everybody that's got sick. There hasn't been too many that got really that sick other than Good. They, they kind of got their way through it. And I've seen them around town now after it, but Good. Yeah. Um, are you a cat or a grizz? Grizz, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, well, uh, actually used to play for him. Uh, who was that? Lance Spencer. Oh, uh, yeah. I definitely recognize the name. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, when they canceled the football season, dude. Oh, I know. Yeah. That, that's a huge deal, right? Like, you know that, like, you know, the, all the money that is and, like, the clout yeah. that brings the university, you know, and just, like, you know, they've, they've pumped it to the spring, which I was really interesting, how those athletes going to, like, play football in the spring and then, like, turn around and play a whole other season a couple yeah. of months later. Uh, but for that to happen, you know that this is affecting a lot of things, you know. Well, once again, the, the major injuries – there, I mean, if somebody gets blows a knee in the spring, they're probably not going to be ready by fall, which no. is a scary thing no. for them. I mean, especially even at the college level, athletes that are looking to move on to the next level there too. You know that this this whole thing's hindered a lot of people that way. But totally, I'm also a fan of the NFL. I'm a big Detroit Lions fan. Which okay, let's let's hope they very de- very depressing. But oh, that's terrible! Okay. It's been, I've been a fan <laughs> since uh, like fifth grade. I was a I was a 49ers fan, and then Joe Montana left for the Chiefs. And I've seen Barry Sanders no more. over on Thanksgiving, and I was like, I like that guy. I've been a Lions fan ever since, and, man, it's been sad. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's, all, it's always next year is what it feels like to me. But, yeah. Right. Hopefully they get off with a, with, without a hitch. It, it sounds like they're going to try and run the NFL season. But and it's have, you, have you watched – I mean, I'm not, a big, I'm not a big baseball guy, you know. But, yeah. I, like, I saw some highlights of their night, and then I watched um, – I watched some highlights of the NBA finals that are going on right now, which is totally different. Yeah. But they have these fake fans in the stands, oh, dude, which is it's, it's so weird. And, like, I get it probably. Like, you're in these huge stadiums, right, as an athlete, and there's you're used to these big crowds, which, I mean, you were talking about – when you were talking about your wrestling thing, I thought you were going to, like, go into, like, all that energy that you build off oh, of the crowd, true. right? Yeah. Like, you know? That also – How that just, like, changes things, you know? It's like – I, how do these like fake noise, like fake crowd noises, and like yeah. fake people in the stands? Like that just does. It just feels weird. Well, to me, football is like one of the biggest games of momentum. Anyway, I mean, if you feel the crowd turn, say right totally. before or after halftime, it, you can feel it in between the team and everything. It makes me yes. really wonder, like when you got a home game, like say, say they're playing at Washington Grizz Stadium, and uh, right, you don't have any fans, but your sound guy up there is cheering for the Grizz the whole time, pushing the button. <laughs> yeah. You know, is that going to change the? I mean, let's hope it does for the good guys, but <laughs> yeah, right, right. It, yeah, it, no, it's. Uh, I mean, are they going to have a guy up there booing the other team with their fake crowd noise? Yeah, that home field advantage, right? Like, especially yeah. in Washington Grizzly Stadium. Come on, exactly. man! Like that is like, I'd hate to be somebody else that has to come in and play there. And now, it's almost like neutral, like ground, right? But yeah, the COVID thing. You know, I think that again, like I think one of the silver linings is that 
people are going outside more than they ever have right now. And, you know, whether that's like a, a walk around the block or they're going to their local park or they're going on some public lands or floating the river, like the solace that that provides, right? And all this craziness, like I think people are, they might have, you know, taken it for granted a little bit before. And now they're like, holy cow, like this is like, man, this is making my head right. And I think that piece uh, hopefully carries over. And so that, you know, again, that we care about, I mean, that's what I do. That's what I care most about. And so it's like, I, I feel like people are gaining more of an appreciation. And so I hope that that's one of the silver lines that comes out of that. Besides, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier. I think, you know, we're innovating like crazy over here and trying new things. Exactly. And, you know, when, when, when stuff gets back to quote unquote normal, whatever that's going to be, you know, yeah. uh, that, that we have learned so much that we're not going to go back to the way we were before. Yes. We'll still continue to do a lot of in-person events, but this virtual stuff we're learning, you know, yeah. is, is pretty, is pretty important for us, I guess, as an organization. Well, I think one of the things is, it's made families closer. I mean, so I suppose it's probably driven apart from each other. Lots of babies and lots of divorces probably during COVID. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it does yeah. make it realize that, that you can do more of your work from home, you know, and, totally. and my thoughts on the whole thing, when it all hit and they're like, they're locking down everything. We might be, who knows? They're talking martial law. They're, you know, anything. They, who knows? In my head, I'm thinking, I'm really glad I live in the middle of nowhere in Montana when all totally. these riots and everything else is, I mean, shit's hitting the fan. And I'm, I got two acres of riverfront. Worst comes to worst, I can go shack up out there and fish totally. for a living and eat yeah. everything we got. You know, that's. Yeah, how lucky are we? And I think that's like, I'd say two things. I mean, I live in Missoula, which is a lot bigger than Malta, oh, but sure. still felt very like lucky to live, you know, in a place, yeah. live in Montana in general. And then that food security, you know, we talked about food before and like feeding your family and like your son, like providing yeah. like that, that, that security that you just mentioned, like, man, if I have to, I'm going to be okay when it comes to food. I don't have to go rush to the grocery store and buy as much as I can off the shelves. Yeah. You know, I got a lot of it right here. And, um, I think that's another reason why, and I think you're going to probably see an increase of new hunters this fall um, is because, you know, they're like, man, I want to, I want to kill my own meat. Which I, I'm not down in LA, but you hear Rogan talking about all the time that the lines to the gun stores are around the block of people that, yeah. people that were anti-gun before now are suddenly going, oh man, I, I need a gun as fast as I can get one. Type thing they're scared. And, and it's probably for like two things, right? They're scared, yeah. but they also want to go like kill their own meat, yeah, right? Like, and so. To be able to self well, and I think, you know, with those gun sales too, like, you know, an excise tax that's on those, all that goes to, you know, there's like, what is it? It's like, I think it's like 8%, 10%. I should know that exactly. But that goes to like conservation that comes from like the sale of ammunition and the sale of like rifles, pistols, like, you know, whatever it is that's a, that's a gun goes back to conservation through the Pippin-Robertson, you know, Act and the Sports Fish and Restoration Act. So to me, like, we'll see a big hopefully influx of money for conservation in addition to stuff we've already talked about today thing that one thing that's a i mean it's scary and a good i mean depends on how you like it like me living in a small town here it's it's one of those things yeah i i was on the chamber of commerce for nine years and president until i turned out but you you uh you know you're hoping for more local business type of thing like you want the local clothing store to thrive and you want the totally. in town stuff to thrive but you also kind of want to keep your way of life, your small town life. So like this COVID hit and you're getting people coming in. I mean, like the motels are packed. People are coming in, trying to run away from wherever else they're at. 
Like yep. we, go out, we go out to Zortman quite a bit, which is the little Rocky Mountains. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Hike out there and do a lot of stuff out there. And actually, that's where Carol's from. Her dad still lives out there. And, but I've never seen more campers than what there is this year out there. You know, I mean, just even in the public campground there, it's, totally. you're not there early, you're not getting a spot, which it, yep. or you never had to really worry about that so much. But that's, I mean, it's one of those give and take balances, you know. I mean, like I said, the restaurants are busy. They're making money, but then also your your cherished little land spot. You got to go a little deeper into the woods to get away from people than what you. I mean, we we took a hike up the creek the other day, and it's a it's a gold panning creek, and we, we hike up to this little waterfall and whatnot, and uh, we're almost all the way in there, and there's a pickup from Florida with Florida plates on it, and I'm like, what? How in the heck? How did you? <laughs> How did you even find it? Yeah. yeah. How did you find it? I mean. There's a lot of people from Malta here that don't even know where the heck we're going up there, you know. Totally, but, totally. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It, and there are people that are running. I talked to uh, some of my friends that run run a big motel there in Three Forks, and that's what they said. They said, we've, like, as soon as it hit, we were fully booked with, and most of them were coming from California or vice versa, other places, you know, that want to get the heck out. But then, um, I, I'm, in another way, it's, it's shining light on what a great state we have, too, you know that yeah and i think that's like the i'm a little nervous about missoula in particular right oh right? for sure you yeah know, like like uh just there's a ton of people i mean the housing market is going crazy right now here yep. like that is not, not even slowed down in fact it's increased during covid because again like you've talked about earlier like if people are realizing they can work from home yep and so like somebody has been in seattle or like wherever one of these big cities where there's been you know quite a bit of unrest and also just like unknowns yeah. And plus you're around a, bun a bunch of people that you and I don't want to do, you know, and like we understand yeah. that lifestyle. And so they're looking at places to go and Montana is an awesome place, you know, and I think there's that push and pull. And then you feel that, you know, and <laughs> I have to be careful how I say this, but you and I grew up here. Right. And so it's yeah, like exactly. now there's different views that are coming into Montana. Right. That yeah. don't necessarily we share. Right. And I, I just we'll see how it all changes things, but it's hard to fault people, right? Like, you know, exactly. and, and if you're trying to save again, your family, how do you fault somebody for wanting to bring their family away from danger? You know, so, or, well, and it's not, and what's either the unrest or like, it's like save them from the craziness that is those big cities, right? Exactly. Like, you know, I've had chances to go out to Washington DC and work out there. And I'm like, there is no way I want to raise my family out there, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a time will tell, I will say. Um, I lived but, in Phoenix for college, and within, like, the first six months I was there, my pickup was stolen. I mean, I had all sorts of crime, and I called the cops on it, and they'd, yeah, 100 cars a night are stolen out of Phoenix. I mean, like, they didn't come look. <laughs> no big deal. I'm like, yeah. this would be a manhunt if they were in Malta, you know? Like, totally. So, and it'd be over very quickly, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, even you, you've been seeing a, an influx of celebrities, too, to Montana, it seems like, lately especially like that Flathead Valley whitefish area. And the only thing about that, like I said, is it, it does raise the cost a lot of the times for your average totally. local Montana to go up to the ski resort that used to be $40 for a lift ticket. Now it's $200 a lift ticket type thing, you know? And yeah, I'm, I was just at whitefish on Tuesday. We went up yeah. in uh, Florida, the North Fork. We're working on a, uh, here's a little teaser. We're working on a whiskey with a spotted bear distillery. It's going to be called uh, Midnight Forest, which is pretty, that's an awesome story behind it. But we're up there and like on a Tuesday during COVID, whitefish, and that town is bumping. Yeah. I've seen stories. some Snapchats of my buddies from whitefish and saying it's, it's wild over there right now. 
It is. And, you know, things are going to change. I think that's what I was saying when we kind of got – we're stopped. Like, things are going to change. We just got to realize that. And hopefully yeah. we can you – know, the reason a lot of those people are moving here is, one, to get away, but also because of the amenities that we have, right? And, like, exactly. public lands and waters in particular are a big piece of that, right? And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it's um, – hopefully they come with uh, the same ethos that we have, you know, growing up here. Well, and you hope uh, – my hopes are always, like, you know, they come in here with a certain kind of ideology, but – after you live in Montana, maybe you do see the other side of things for a while too. That, that totally. I mean, I, I've got friends, you know, even ones that have moved here from New York. And when they first moved here, they were pretty outcasts. I mean, like completely different views and everything. But after they've lived here for five years, now they're starting to see what, why we are the way we are here too, you know, that, totally. which is, uh, I mean, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. And especially and, and we're, we're, we're probably not perfect either though right no i <laughs> far from it man that's that's why i work from home for myself and <laughs> like I, said before, I, I i hate being told what to do so so yeah. it, it works good the way i'm at, at right now but so do you guys I would say go ahead i was going to say that that sign behind you like create something today even if it sucks yeah like, so awesome dude that's like just do right like because yeah, like, exactly. like, you're learning all the time when you're doing that right yeah. if you create something that sucks either like either like throw that away or you tweak it right but exactly. like 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 i love that mantra behind you because it's one i share and i've been i, I that, that all the time, time and I it, say something about them they're yeah. they're so afraid like uh, on that there's so many people that are so afraid of, like well what if i screw it up or what well okay it's a simple screw up and you learn from it and they, like you the only way you're going to learn is by screwing things up and getting to the point that you're good at it. You know, uh, you don't hardly anybody, unless you're just one of those freaky naturals jumps into something and you're great at it right away. you got to screw some things up. So. I mean, I'd say I'd learn more almost when I do screw things up because I do not want to fail. Right. And so like when I do screw something up, I'm like, Oh, well, how can I make that better? You know, like, you know, like, and so I, I concentrate on it even more when I don't, something doesn't go my way. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, but like, I've been noticing that whole time and had to say something about it, dude. It's pretty uh, rad. Yeah, Carol got that for me, and I, I was like, this is the most perfect thing to hang in here. But, <laughs> she, yeah. she knows you well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we got a little, which it's kind of messy over there. I got a little, there's a bar there that we usually do the podcast from. And then okay. uh, I got drums. It's a music studio. But then also back in the back, I got a uh, weight bench. Now, since, since my uh, gym has closed down during COVID, we had to put up a squat rack and and actually get a cool. workout and whatnot in here too. So it's kind good of for a, you. Good for well, you. It's a little room inside of my garage that I do about everything out of. So well, it, 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 it's uh, it's the perfect perfect man cave, dude. Is what it I is. look at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any big hunting trips or anything planned coming up? I mean, we're just approaching hunting season now. You got anything fun that you're? You know, about? I was I was gonna I was supposed to go to Alaska on Sunday, and oh. we were gonna go up there. We were gonna chase around caribou and uh just with all the unknowns with the kids around school and just like travel and everything we canceled that trip so kind of disappointed about that um my cousin texted me last night knew that i wasn't going to alaska was like well are we going to do the bob again this year and so i think we're going to go into the bob marshall um that early rifle season nice um and then i got and then i got a cow tag i got a doe tag i got an antelope tag down southwest montana and so yeah um we're so lucky, you know, exactly. like, you know, with our, with our general tags, like we could have exactly. like a ton of adventures. Um, and so, you know, I'll, my 
my doe tag is like a, it's like east of town, like an half an hour, and I've killed those there yeah. the last four years in a row, and like a half an hour, and so like that one feels like a grocery shopper. But yeah. no, I don't. I mean, it'll be it'll be a lot different this year because I won't be traveling at all across the country, um, which I don't really hunt big game out of Montana at all. Yeah. I never have besides like an alligator. Right. I mean, there's just really it's exactly like, exactly. And we could do, and you know, you and I could try to hunt something a different place every single year and never, you know, with our general tags and never yeah. be able to like do it all in Montana. Right. And so it's like, I, I don't know. I've, I've hunted birds a lot outside of Montana and fish a lot, but no big game. Dude. We're, I'm, it's it's going to be local stuff, which I'm stoked about. How about you? Uh, well, other than, uh, like I said, I didn't draw my, my local up tag here. So I, I did get a general, but yeah. uh, going out with my kid again, I think is, Cool. I, I'm going to go with him and his grandpa, I think, this time, and uh, we'll see if we can get him another elk. And then, other than that, I, we do a lot, like, with the family. Like I said, we head out to Zormanid, not not so much hunting, but we go out there and we take a lot of camping trips, different things. Um, like last year for my kid's birthday, we went up into onto some Forest Service land and rented one of the cabins in the Little Belts uh, up driveway, cool. which is some absolutely beautiful country up there, too, you know. I, I just how cool are those forest service cabins are those forest service cabins are amazing yeah that's 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 one of those things night you know like you go rent a lookout tower and, <laughs> I, you know, and if you don't book them early they're tough to get especially like once this covid hit holy cow they were all gone right away but they are totally. cool. that's the first one that time that i'd ever really went and got one and you get there and it's i mean it's fully stocked it's got enough beds for everybody it's you're still in the wilderness. Yep. It's man, it was great. Yep. You have to pack a tent. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I saw it on your Instagram. I think it was uh, your little teepee tents. What are those that you got? Yeah, so that's Seek Outside, another one of our corporate partners. But they're yeah. out of uh, Colorado. They they uh, make them all. They're made in the USA, right there in Colorado. Um, but they're rad, man. And like, I think it's like the so like. I mean, I keep talking about the bob. Like we used to like bring in big wall tents, you know, yeah. super heavy, takes multiple animals to bring them in. Yep. With these teepees, I mean, at twelve man, I don't know exact, you know, weight weight is on that, but it is like like a fraction, you know, a fraction of uh, what that wall tent would be. And then you have like you know, we get this titanium stove and put them in there. And the titanium stove. The only thing I would say about those titanium stoves is that they're awesome. They heat it up really quick. But you can't, you got, you got to put these little teeny pieces of wood in there, and so you oh, really, really, and you can't like really like tamp it down, and so like it'll go all night, and so if you yeah. want, I mean, if it's super cold out, like you better have good gear, like as far as cold weather gear, because if you want to keep that fire going all night, you got to pretty much feed it all night, and yeah, that's my only cold, downside of it's yeah. Anytime September, late September, October, Montana, the weather can go from seventy-five, totally. eighty degrees to zero in a quick hurry. You know, it's. Totally. So having that stove is rad, right? Like, and I think it's also great to like be able to dry out gear, you know, like yep. that, like you can hang up stuff on the inside of the teepee, but no seek outside. I got all sorts of different one. I haven't really tried. It's kind of like a, it's a small one person, you know, it's got like one single pole in it and a couple of like stakes that you use. It's kind of like a bivy a little bit um, mm -hmm. that, that I, I haven't used yet, but I'd like to, cause then I could just put that in my backpack and yep. be ready to roll. So being in the position that you're in, do you get a, do you get to try out a lot of different gear and things? Is that? I mean, I would say yes. Um, I mean, uh, you know, and I, I would say yes. And 
Um, it's definitely an advantage, but you know, everybody also thinks that I hunt and fish all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you well, know, I'm on the phone, I'm on front of the computer majority of my time, you know, and I'll get by, but then also having like these young kids, as you know, you know, I think as they get older, they enable us, right? Like they, yeah. like it's, it's easier to get out, but, uh, man, I, I don't get out to, I don't get out enough. I can tell you that right now, you know, it's, yeah. it, and I don't know if there would be enough, you know, like I'm watching this alone right now. I think it's that series on Netflix. Uh, and they're up in, uh, the Arctic. They're like out for like 50 days by themselves. And I don't really want to do that, you yeah. know, but like, God, in the fall, if it was, you know, if I got, 50 days during the fall where I could go out, I'd be oh, a no happy, kidding. happy man. Yeah. You know, and I haven't had that. I used to duck hunt a lot before work. I had a different job. And before working like at lunch, just like do little small things. And I just don't have that opportunity to do that anymore. It's just like yeah. too crazy. So yeah, that's um, no, but I get to, I get, go ahead. Are you going to be, since you said you're going to keep the kids home, you think, or for homeschooling, are you going to have to be the one that their teacher or that, so there, there's this online program and there's like so much unknown with that right now. Like, yeah, that's like, where is we're there at actually going to be a teacher? Is there going to be like programs or is it going to be us teaching? You know, so that's mm -hmm. unknown. But, you know, my work's, it's demanding, but it's also flexible. Yeah. And so, you know, any, you know, like we could go out and duck hunt for an afternoon or we could go out and go like look for grouse or we could go out and, you know, maybe hunt that doe. And so like, those are all pretty, you know, fairly easy to do. And, and so we'll see, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like yet. Um, we're trying to like, God, we're figuring out like these pods, like with other families, right? Like where like maybe yeah. the kids are at their house one day and then they're at our house the next. And so that like, we actually can get some work done, but um, yeah, it's the only thing I guess there is that everybody's going through the same thing, right? We're all trying to figure it out together right now. And so that's up in the air, but I'll, I'll try to take advantage of getting those kids outside as much as possible. I, I mean, like you said, like when, when I asked you, you said, man, I'm really looking forward to getting my son out again. Yeah. Like build it, the ability to like one, teach them things, but also see things through their eyes is like, to me, amazing, man. Amazing. Well, and my son and I, we actually, uh, we also got a, we, we skateboard quite a bit together too. Uh, thanks to Jeff, oh. we've got all the, yeah skate park he put one here in malta and uh, we've actually i've became friends with him and now there's like 34 around the state of montana and so I, might, cool. I might even be let it might even be more than that now but we can jump in the car and anytime you go it's like throw your skateboard in where you know you're, there's a stop everywhere that you want to go totally. and that's one thing during this covid that you actually allowed to get outside and do as opposed to yep. being stuck in a building or you can't go you know you can't go to the trampoline park or whatever the kids would want to do now but yep yep yeah it, it, that was my thoughts on sending the kids to school. I know they're going to miss their friends. And since I work from home, I'm thinking like, if I'm at, sitting here working on a thousand dollar iPad, Oh, are you still there? I am sorry. I, oh, got, I don't know how I, I don't know. I ignore these phone calls. So they don't do that. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, if I'm sitting inside working on like a thousand dollar iPad and it's real tedious and I got the girls jumping on the bed behind me or something, you know, I'm like, yeah, maybe they should go to school, but I, we're going <laughs> to, Try it for a little bit and see how it goes, I guess. And I guess that's that's what we're all trying to do is figure it out. So nobody nobody knows what the right thing to do is, right? Yeah. And like, and so we're all gonna figure this out together. Which I think that there's, you know, as bad as this has been, like it's affecting every single person, right? And so yeah. it's 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 unifying in some ways too. Have you had anybody in your immediate family that's caught the COVID or anything? 
No, no we have, we've had a couple of friends, uh, that like, like family members of theirs, you know, like I've gotten it, but like, no, nothing immediate for us. How about you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's been close all around. Well, it has a group of the people that caught it here. were all pretty young. I mean, like, okay. Twenties, thirties. And like I said, a lot of them, a lot of them didn't have terrible symptoms, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Do you, you know, the second you feel a cough, do you go get tested or do you, I mean, do you want to be part of the totally. That, totally. Really, yeah, I think uh, I was coming back. Not killing you, then just yeah. quarantine yourself and get out, you know, but. Yeah, I have my, the last, I usually travel three or four times a month. And last time I traveled was the first part of March. And I was at this North American Wildlife Conference and, you know, a thousand people there. And this is just when this stuff was starting to hit really hard and came home like two days later felt horrible huge fever like whatever somebody ends up testing positive at the you know conference and stuff and i thought about going and getting tested and i didn't and i like there's some of that you know maybe i should have just like, didn't know no. i kind of quarantined myself and my family anyways you know and like maybe i had it and i got some immunity who knows but um yeah there's uh it's definitely been a huge impact this year well that, that was me too i like i said work at the bar and uh there had been, I guess, a few people that were known around, you know, contact tracing or whatever, they were around me. And then, of course, there was a couple of weeks, and I, I actually had the time off from the bar. I same had a fever, cough, but I knew I wasn't dying, type of, you know, like, so I yeah. didn't get tested yeah. either. And uh, who knows, maybe, I'm, maybe I do have the immunity to it now. And that, that's part of my thoughts, too, is like, you know, do we send everybody around wearing these masks? Is it actually going to kill the damn thing or are we going to just prolong for four uh, years now we're going to keep getting covid until finally everybody yeah. has immunity i nobody knows that's the worst part about it is totally we don't totally. know how i mean i mean obviously it's something that's happening because i've talked to people that are sick but yeah how i don't know how how long i mean like sure you can prevent it but how long can we prevent it type of thing totally. i mean i think we need Hopefully they can come up with this vaccine pretty quick, right? Like I think, you know, and when, however fast that happens um, and, hope, you know, super safe and proven and all that kind of stuff. But I think once we have that, that things will go back to a little bit more normal, right? Like the, like the flu vaccines, right? Like, I mean, that's changed a lot of things and um, we'll see. I don't know. It's, uh, it me it's definitely the domination of the conversation. Yeah. What's that? That's what scares me about that is that it's rushed through so much. How, how well will it be tested? That kind of thing, you know, Oh, what was that fighter's name? That Russian fighter and like uh, Rocky, like that you know Rocky fights oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, like, I um, gosh, I can't. I, I saw, I saw like a meme right of him with like his shirt off. Remember how like Rocky train, Rocky train, like you know like yeah. like in the in the barn, like in the barn, right? And this guy was like on all these like, hi, like hyped up shit, and like there's a picture of him and like 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 uh, like. Russians after taking like the COVID like vaccine, right? like the Russian COVID vaccine, like who yeah. knows what's in there, you know? I'm like, exactly. yeah, so hopefully it's going to be all right, but we'll see. I, I think one thing about it is it's made, uh, like you said, made people get out more and it's actually made America think about localizing more of their medicine than, than trying totally. to spread it out so much and pray that you can ship it in from somewhere. So Totally. But, yeah, especially where you're at. Oh, exactly. We actually, luckily, we yeah. have a pretty good hospital here. That it's fairly new. Good. We got some good. pretty good help around here and whatnot. But, good. but yeah. So before we get out of here, do you uh, 
you got anything else that's coming up as far as hunters and anglers go? I mean, is uh, any legislation, anything that people should know about that we might not? Or? You know, it's, so this is an election cycle, so things are slowing down. Um, you know, our big thing is coming up is uh, September, and we call it Public Lands Month. Um, and while it's kind of juxtaposition over, you know, elk hunting in particular, which is not the greatest of timing, um, but there's Public Lands Day on September 26th, and then there's, like, at the same day as National Hunting and Fishing Day. And so, really, we're just creating awareness, like, around, you know, kind of uh, uh, Public Lands Month is what we've called it for the last three years. And we'll be doing kind of like a vote public lands and waters campaign, which basically means like finding out where your politicians that you're, you're going to be voting for sit on public lands yeah. um, issues. And so that's going to be a big piece. And then I would say, you know, after the election and then coming into next Congress next year, there's tons of opportunities to build on kind of the momentum that we have this year, whether that's like place-based stuff like in the boundary waters or up in the Arctic national wildlife refuge or pebble, um, you know, like Bristol Bay, which is Pebble Mine, or stuff here in Montana, like around the Blackfoot Clearwater Game, you know, uh, Stewardship Act, which is real close to me here in Missoula. There's some place-based stuff, and there's also some opportunities. You know, I talked about earlier how we've been kind of starving these agencies, you know, for money, and and that's why they're in such disrepair. That's why we have twenty billion dollars in backlog. So I think you know, budgets are not that sexy, right? Like it's not like some people are like, oh, like let's yeah. go talk about all the little dollars here and there but they're really important and so i think there'll be opportunities to work on that after the first of the year and um and there's a lot of unknowns is COVID going to be going on is uh you know we're gonna have a new administration like there's like, we, who knows right and so um once we get january one i think we'll have a better idea but right now it's a lot of local stuff like we got a thing going on down in arkansas right now where somebody's trying to sell 6,500 acres of public land, which doesn't sound like a lot to like you and I, but down there, you know, especially for duck hunting and public land opportunities, like they're like 6,500 acres is a big deal. So our chapter down there is just hustling on that piece. And so I think it's going to be much more, I tell you all that, I think it's going to be much more localized stuff than it is yep. going to be federal stuff until probably the first of the year. So do you, uh, with, with your fishing and stuff, do you, do you fly fish too, or are you, I, I do. I, I, I grew up fly fishing. I've, I've, uh, I've learned to throw spoons and, you know, throw yeah. junk and gear a little bit, but I grew up fly fishing and, um, you know, I, I will tell you that, you know, there's hoppers are out and stuff right now, which is a lot of fun. Have these big fish, hit these big bugs up on top. Yeah. Um, but mine, mine is already into hunting season, man. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm still, I'll still fish a couple more times, you know, um, but no, my brain is on hunting now and I'll start, you know, with grouse and then, you know, elk in September and then, you know, get into the general season and we'll go from there. So um, these nights, like for a little bit, we had those, like, I don't know if you had them, but like those like low forties, even like high thirties. And it felt like the fall. And you're yep. like, yes, here it comes. It and then all of a sudden, we got these 95-degree days here in Missoula and 64 oh, degrees no. at night. And I was like, oh, like fall is not here yet. But it's yeah. close. It's close. I, I'm a huge fan. Fall is my favorite season myself. But do you, Absolutely. Do you bow hunt at all or are you just rifle? I, I don't. I, had, I need to get back into it. I, this is embarrassing. But um, I had a new peep site put in my bow. I had yep. a compound bow. And – shooting out my backyard shot like four times remember like kind of there being like a little weird sound and then the fifth time i shot the peep sight came off and 
I'm wearing glasses now, but this was before I was wearing glasses. And that peeps like came back and hit me square between the eyes. Ooh. Big, huge, like blood, like hematoma, like right in the middle of my nose. Ow. And uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, like, you know, like a, a gun blew up on them or something, being like a little gun shy. I'm a little bow shy. Like that's the part I'm kind of like a little embarrassed yeah. about. I got to get back into it, man. I'm like, I think, I don't know. I may even go like Trabo, you know, like recurve or something yeah. um, because of all the bells and whistles aren't there. But no, I, Ty Stubblefield was on our staff as a huge bow hunter, yeah. um, hunted elk all over the West. And I need to just get around him and like figure it out. But yeah, See, I, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed about that, but it's also another opportunity. I, I thought with, like you said, with my kid drawing the, the rifle tags last year, then a good chance of it this year, I, I decided, ah, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and put in for elk rifle for the breaks and I struck out. So, <laughs> man, I should have just put in for bow and went for it, but I took quite a and few. And do you, you, you do bow hunt? I, I did. I, I haven't bow hunted for quite a few years now. When I worked for the radio station, um, I worked there and then I went to work bartending on the weekends. Well, it just kind of between the full-time job there and the bartending, it took out any time. I mean, if you're going to actually bow hunt, you got to almost take a week, you know, you can't, it's tough to just run oh. out and throw an arrow at something. But now that I'm self-employed again, and which I have been for a couple of years, I'm looking to get deep back into it. My brother bow hunts every year too, and we've got a big oh. crew of guys, a bunch of my friends that are on the podcast all the time. Do uh, and and actually, right outside the room, all my bow hunting stuff still hanging on the wall. But I oh. I've taken a couple of years off, and I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Back in it. We both got to get back on the horse, right? Yeah, we both got to get exactly. back on the horse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, if you ever make it over to Malta for anything, uh, make sure you look me up. Oh man, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the time uh, today. I guess the my closing thought for me, and I kind of talked about it with like the Great American Outdoors Act, but man, your voice counts in this country, but you got to use it like for it to count. And whether that's like at a local, you know, like if they're doing like a you know a twenty year plan at the CMR, or if there's something happening in the state legislature, or there's something happening federally, like you have to be engaged because if you are not, somebody else is there, and whether exactly. you know. Whether that, whatever, however you think about some issue, you have to be involved because you have to be able to get that out there. And so I would just, you know, anybody that's listening to this, use your damn voice, you know, and you're not going to win every single time. Absolutely. But boy, you're definitely not going to win if you're sitting on the sidelines. So uh, stay engaged. And There's so much truth to that too is, I mean, like, like, even when I touched on the skate park here, the skate park wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me willing to go sit through a city council meeting and bring it up and get it. I mean, those totally. even like starting at your local government a lot of people are always asking me well man it seems like you're getting a lot done it seems like well you got to be willing to go sit there on a tuesday night or whatever it is and totally. sit through all the other junk that you don't care about to finally get to your issue and then yep. present your stuff and and try to move forward with it but but you're right yeah, yeah the squeak the, sque the squeaky wheel gets the grease right exactly. i mean that, it yeah, really is and like i mean there's well money and interest whether whatever that is you know lobbyists yep. here and there but what we have is democracy is run by the people if the people want it to be that way, right? So exactly. we just, you know, and none of what I would say, the last thing I would say is that, you know, the embarrassment of riches that you and I have here in Montana mm -hmm. and really across, you know, United States is none of that happened by accident, right? There was people yeah. like the Roosevelt's, you know, and like, I mean, the, um, you know, the Aldo Leopold's, all these people, some of the people like we know the names of. Yeah but a lot of we don't know the names of, right? Like thousands of people that we don't know the names of that made these little teeny decisions or got engaged, went to that city council meeting or went to this, you know, legislative kind of hearing 
yep. that made their voice known and is why we have what we have here in Montana in particular, right? And so to me, um, you know, we're just, we're just at this point to do our, you know, our part and then pass it on to, you know, that young 13 year old and the rest of your kids and my kids, right? So they have something to, to engage in when they're our age, you know? Yep. Well, yeah. Well, so. thanks, man, for getting on here because it's been a good Oh, man. Time. Cheers to you. And like I said, if, you, if you're ever around Phillips County, get a hold of me and I'll, we'll come visit. Have lunch. Awesome, dude. I, I don't skateboard. Like, I grew up, uh, like, we didn't have, like, I grew up on a dirt road, so I don't skateboard. Um, right. But we'll figure out something to do when I come Yeah. Back. Well, I, see, I never skateboarded until after the city council meeting and after I got a hold of Jeff and we knew that the skate park was coming. That's when I was like, I better learn how to skateboard. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I was, uh, I was a freestyle motocross guy for years growing okay. up. I got to the point, I mean, which I'm, I'm just about 38 now, and I was getting to the point that it hurts falling from 30 feet out of the air and thought, I better figure something else out. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, That's I, really cool, dude. I like to fish hunt. If you're ever around, I'll, I'll take you out to the cabin or something, show you the place around on the Milk River. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Yeah. Cheers to Thanks, you. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you later.